presenting this month's special series, Focus on Children's Health, on ReachMD, XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Your host is Dr. Bruce Bloom. Joining me to discuss the immune system irregularities in lysosomal storage diseases is Dr. David Pierce, Director of Sanford Children's Health Research Center in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Dr. Pierce, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, uh, Dr. Bloom. It's a pleasure to be talking to you on this. So let's start at the very basics. What exactly is a lysosomal storage disorder? Yeah, so a lysosomal storage disorder is one of around about 40 different diseases or disorders. They're all genetically inherited diseases, so children will inherit two defective copies of a gene product and so therefore lack a functional protein. The common link being, of course, is that these proteins all affect the function of the lysosomal organelle in cells. The major theme for these diseases is is that they all target the central nervous system primarily. They all result in some sort of neurodegeneration, degenerative course of the disease. And more recently, uh, the research and the topic of this interview is is that the immune system has been implicated in the pathogenesis of these diseases. And this could well be due to the fact that the lysosome is involved in processing certain aspects of the development of the immune system. So the lysosome in these diseases is affected because enzymes are defective and, and many of them are characterized by accumulation of what we often will just call junk or unprocessed material within the lysosome and that affects things in the cell. And give us a few examples of lysosomal disorders. What are the names of some of the ones? What do you specialize in working on? Yeah, so the one that I do my lab focuses research on is called juvenile band disease. Some of the more common ones, that, which is actually extremely rare, some of the more common ones that people might have heard of are Neiman-Pick type C disease, for example. Crabe disease is one that's fairly well known. Gangliosidosis. Many of them, of course, have fairly unpronounceable names, so instantly forgettable in some respects. And how frequently do these kinds of things happen? So Batten disease, you said, is fairly rare. How many patients have that disease? Yeah, Batten disease is you know, estimated in the United States around about 1 in 50,000 live births, probably. When you put all 40 of these together, though, how many patients around the country might be affected by some form of lysosomal storage disorder? One of the problems of giving an estimate like that is is that some of the diagnoses are still very difficult. So anybody would quote the uh, incidence of these diseases has been anywhere between 1 in 2,000 to 1 in 4,000. In live births? In live births, yeah. So what goes on in the lysosome that's so critical, and how does that translate into the neurogenic damage that you're talking about? So the lysosome, you know, you know, research is such a dynamic thing. So, you know, up until very recently, the lysosome was really regarded as the garbage bag of the cells, and it, where basically materials, proteins in the cell are taken to the lysosome and then degraded or broken down and then in processed in some way. More recently, though, it's become apparent that the lysosome is just more than just this garbage bag in the cell, uh, and it's involved in generating a gradient across the cell for pH and movement of other proteins around the cell, for example. So the twofold defects that really that we're at in terms of understanding the biochemical implications of these types of diseases right now are obviously that the enzyme is missing and may not be processing certain components of a particular pathway, but by having these accumulations within the lysosome, other parts of the lysosome are unable to function in terms of they may be processing other proteins for other pathways. So, for example, in the immune system, you know, that's one of the aspects that where this has become more highlighted. So then other proteins may not be distributed across the cell correctly because of all of these accumulations in the lysosome. 
And how does that lead to the neurologic damage that's so characteristic of these kinds of diseases? The brain is obviously the most exquisite organ that we have, and many of the cells in the brain, you know, the neurons, have these very long processes, and they need to, you know, to connect to other cells. And our best guess right now is, is that, you know, obviously if you are unable to move proteins around the cell, you know, it's a distance thing in many respects. The further you need to move things across the cell, cells that have these long processes are more likely to be susceptible to a defect where you can't move things across the cell. Plus, just the swelling of the lysosome that occurs in some of these diseases due to these accumulations is just bad for neurons because these are cells that have no capability of regenerating, which obviously in other organs, you know, there can be some sort of regenerative capacity. So let's turn our attention now towards the immune system irregularities. What kinds of irregularities have been reported in LSDs and why do you think that happens? Yeah, there's, there's a very diverse set of reported immune irregularities now, and, and there's no true common theme across the lysosomal storage disorders themselves. I mean, in juvenile band disease that we work on, we reported that there's actually an autoimmune response, for example. So for some reason that we're still trying to figure out, some of the proteins that are expressed in the brain are actually targeted by antibodies. So the patients and the mice models that we use generate antibodies that can actually bind or essentially attack the proteins that are expressed in the brain and block their function. That's been reported for other components in other diseases as well, but all of the lysosomal storage diseases have some sort of what we call an inflammatory component. So the brain is, is very different in terms of how the immune system is regulated, but there are certain molecules that are becoming more and more characterized as being involved as being protective, potentially, in terms of what we call a neuroinflammatory response. So it's difficult to define what inflammation is in the context of the immune system, other than that there's a special subset of cells in the brain, macrophages, which we may seem to infiltrate and express certain molecules that cause inflammation within the brain. Do we think that the lysosomal storage disorder within the immune cells causes those cells to act differently than they would in a normal person? This is very much a chicken and egg situation. So the immune response could be because part of the basis of the disease is is that the lysosomes mean that the immune system can't process proteins correctly. So therefore, the immune system isn't functioning correctly. The second possibility is, is is that as neurons are actually being affected by this, because these types of cells may die, they may actually precipitate some sort of immune response itself. Now, you said the brain is different in the way that the immune system is regulated than the rest of the body. Tell us a little bit about that. We know about the blood-brain barrier, obviously. So the blood-brain barrier is, you know, what protects the brain or many of the cells in the brain from many other cells and many other molecules that can cross and be exposed to neurons. So immune cells essentially are unable to cross this blood-brain barrier. If you imagine when we have an immune response, there's certain types of cells that are promoted and proliferate in response to generate antibodies to an immune response. So in some of these lysosomal storage diseases, some of these cells have been seen to be able to cross the blood-brain barrier and penetrate the central nervous system. It's really a barrier. The cells within the brain themselves, called glial cells, which are very much different from immune cells, but they are considered to be more of the protective sort of cells and secrete the molecules that sort of really maintain the homeostasis within the brain. But the neuroinflammation that we see in these diseases is suggesting that perhaps some of the molecules that shouldn't be expressed by these cells are actually being expressed and maybe contributing to the inflammatory responses.
If you've just tuned in, you're listening to ReachMD, XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Our guest today is Dr. David Pierce, Director of Sanford Children's Health Research Center in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and we're talking about lysosomal storage disorders and the immune response. So are you saying that one of the characteristics of lysosomal storage diseases is that we might have a slightly different blood-brain barrier than we have in a normal patient? In some of them, that's definitely a possibility. That's the focus of research in, in some of these diseases, yes. And would that potentially let some of these immune cells into the area that they typically don't get into? Yeah, that's what we would typically call those infiltrates, yeah. And in those patients, what's the impact of that clinically and what kind of treatment do we do to either prevent that from happening or to treat that? Yeah, that's the real trick of trying to understand this right now. I mean, much of, you know, when I talk about these types of infiltrates, there's been work that's been derived from animal models, from mouse models for these diseases. You know, these are virtually impossible to study in the, in the children that are affected by these diseases. In terms of something to target, yes, that's, it's a clue to the disease, quite frankly. So that means that we can potentially say, can we, you know, modulate the immune system in mice models? Or can we maybe modulate the blood-brain barrier to stop these types of infiltrations? But it's very preliminary right now. And in any of the animal models, have they tried to reduce the immune or, or modulate the immune system to see if that changes the course of the disease in the mice? There's a few reports now coming out, and you know, actually in the literature where mice have been created genetically essentially to have you know, modified immune systems and to see if that will ameliorate the disease process. And then, again, the same light, there's been similar studies where that people have looked to see if the inflammatory molecules are tempered in, in these mouse models, but there's been certainly no human studies. And in the treatment of lysosomal storage diseases in the human patients, do any of the treatments involve anything that would impact the immune system? Well, there's very few treatments that you know, really address the underlying basis of many of these diseases at the molecular level. And so, to my knowledge, none of these treatments specifically target or secondarily affect the immune system, no. In MPS1, I know they do allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplants as a treatment in order to try and get some healthy cells that are secreting the enzyme. Is that a standard of care for other lysosomal storage disorders? So the idea of cell replacement like that, so there is a clinical trial for Herland disease, as you, as you mentioned, is being tried for other lysosomals and has been tried for other lysosomal storage diseases. You have to go disease by disease on whether this has the potential to work based on the pathogenesis of the disease, the cell types that are affected in the disease. Some of these enzymes, as I mentioned, are actually secreted, as you mentioned. So by putting in cells that are healthy, you can have cells that then will secrete the protein or the enzyme, and that can be taken up by other cells. Some of these lysosomal storage disorders have proteins in the lysosome that are just stuck as membrane-bound proteins in the lysosome. So juvenile batten disease, for example, what I work on. So that would not be a reasonable approach because the protein is simply not secreted. And for those diseases where allogeneic stem cell transplant might be an appropriate treatment, would we at the same time potentially be affecting the immune system as well as getting the additional enzyme to the disease cells? First, by the way, is an appropriate treatment. I think, you know, these are still experimental therapies, so we're still learning about that. Would it affect the immune system? I, you know, that would become apparent, I think, in the course of these studies because it simply just isn't known. What other kinds of treatments are being done for lysosomal storage diseases? What's currently being done and what are some of the experimental things? Yeah, so again, it goes case by case or disease by disease. 
So many of them, as I mentioned, uh, have proteins that are defective that are enzymes, which means you know, if you can you know, conceptualize, you have substrate A is converted to product B. So um, if you're missing the enzyme that's involved in converting A to B, what you might want to do is do you know, what we call substrate reduction. So you might want to stop the accumulation of substrate A. And there's uh, various approaches manipulating uh, the biochemistry that can be done for that. One of those ways is actually uh, what we call enzyme replacement therapy. So the protein or the enzyme that is defective, there are some preliminary studies, preclinical studies now where enzyme replacement is done, where you actually just generate the protein in vitro and then you can do maybe an intrathecal injection of the protein in the mice model certainly now to see if that protein is, is taken up by cells. And obviously if you have the enzyme there, you have the capability of now converting substrate A to product B and compensating or correcting that abnormality, as it were. One of those enzyme replacement therapies is liranidase for MPS1. One of the interesting things that is relevant to this discussion is that when patients get that infusion, they often develop antibodies to the liranidase. They haven't yet figured out what the impact of that is, but do you think that might have an immune impact on the patient themselves? Yeah, and then this is where, you know, we're learning so much right now. I mean, a patient that has never expressed this particular enzyme before, of course, when you put that enzyme into them, they get, the immune system recognizes it as something foreign. So inadvertently, you are raising this immune response to that particular protein and enzyme, and I think you would expect that it might block the function of the protein that you're actually adding back to the patient's. Most people would presume it, it would not have a, you know, more of a long-term effect on the immune system itself because it's a targeted response to that one particular protein. But do we think that it might actually decrease the effectiveness of the infusion because, as you say, the patient sees this as foreign since their body doesn't make this enzyme? Yeah, it certainly could decrease the effectiveness, yeah. Is there something we might be able to do clinically to support the patients to not either create those antibodies or to do something with the immune system in that situation? This is not my area of expertise, but the logical step would be immune suppression, where you would suppress the immune system's ability to uh, raise that. But then, of course, you may have some other effect on the disease process if you do that, depending on the different type of disease and what the immune irregularity is. You know, immune suppression, and remember, most of these patients are children, so immune suppression is a very powerful thing with this respect to children. Our guest has been Dr. David Pierce, Director of Sanford Children's Health Research Center in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and we've been talking about immune system irregularities and lysosomal storage disorders. Dr. Pierce, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Focus on Children's Health on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. 